0: All right, get on the mic. Yeah, the, oh, everybody does we this. Gone, they uh, they check uh, like right up close and then roll back off the mic. The just yeah, just get up, just get up real. Close. Got it. They're very intimate. I They're... want to be able
1: to taste the people who've spoken into this before. <laughs> yes. That,
0: well, the last person who spoken to that was my mom. So oh. uh, <laughs> don't don't taste too much. I don't. Want to... <laughs> <laughs> or if you taste anything, don't tell me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah shibali is catching up with friends who are arguably more talented than him hi ho mishka shibali here uh hey how how are you uh happy friday or whatever day it is on whatever planet you're on um I'm about to sit down to do a podcast with uh, Dean Del Rey, which I am super psyched about. Uh, He and I have a a ton of points of convergence of uh, music and comedy and old age and general dereliction. But what I'm uh, most looking forward to talking to him about is the thing that we don't have in common, which is he's an enthusiast. He's like wildly, everything that he's into, he's like wildly into it. Um, And I think that's... uh, I think that's fascinating because, man, I can't fucking muster up enthusiasm for anything. I want to uh, want to try and pick his brain and, and figure out how he's done it. Um, I uh, I screwed up all the scheduling stuff, uh, so I have to give you guys uh, correct dates for some of the stuff that I have coming up. Uh, July thirtieth. I will be in Athens, Ohio, uh playing with uh d rays and Driftmouth and Tyler Keith and a bunch of other uh old guy bands. Um please come out and rub our rub our sore old backs. Pull some hair out of our ears. Um and then September 24th, um I'm going to do I'm going to do a show at my house. Um So I will play, my friend Rad will play, and uh, I think we're in the process of booking some cool comics uh, for that show as well. So uh, if you're a local comic and you want to drop by and do five minutes, or if you are a touring headliner wanting to play the best house show in the world, uh, hit me up. Uh, Then October 15th, we'll be doing another show at my house Um, again uh, if you're a touring headliner or if you're a local comic, hit me up and come and do some time. And I screwed the dates up. It's October 22nd. That's the weekend that I will be in awesome Texas with heels and a million other, uh, great acts for the altercation punk comedy festival. Um, all right. I think that's all the date stuff that I screwed up. Um, Please sign up for the Patreon. My mom and I are going to start doing um, monthly uh, sort of bonus episodes there for the the Truly Hardcore, where I think we're going to answer uh, listener questions and sort of just chat. Um, She is obviously a a fountain of wisdom. And uh, we're going to take her for all that she's worth. Um, Today's episode... Uh, I, I'm talking to somebody you probably haven't heard of, uh, that, uh, I feel like nobody has heard of, or very few people, um, in, in my circle. Uh, his name is Rad Pinkard. I met him through my friend, Sam Keeley, um, who I will never have on this podcast because he will just roast me the entire time. Um, but, uh, but I met Rad through Sam and, uh, you know, I think he was introduced to me as like a, a troubled troubled kid. Um, And then Rad worked for, you know, so I met him at a show and then I needed cheap labor. So I hit Rad up and he did some really unpleasant yard work for me in the blazing hot summer sun. And then One day we drove the unbookables van out to Mesa to pick up uh, like a washer and dryer at my mom's house. Broke, I got a flat or had a blowout doing like seventy miles an hour uh, when it was whatever one hundred and twelve degrees outside, and then uh, we had to wait on the side of the road, just dying. Um, That was terrifying and stupid. But uh, Rad and I stayed friends. um, A year ago when he was. Uh, facing jail time for, uh, his second DUI, you fucking dummy. Um, we sort of got back in touch, and I wrote to the judge to try to make sure that they were, that they could find a way for, for Rad to do his time without him losing his job at the animal shelter, and, uh through a combination of my threats and I think his own motivation and drive. He got sober. He stayed sober for a year. But here's the important part. Um, a couple of months ago, I guess, uh, he sent me a tune that... or I gave him my old computer and I gave him a 12-string acoustic that my friend Joe Dompt uh, gave to me. And... Then a couple months ago, he was like, hey, will you listen to one of my songs? And um, that's always, the answer to that is always no. The There's nothing worse than friend rock, like the where you have to listen to music by somebody you genuinely like, and then you listen to their music and it's like fucking jam band shit, or or, or it's just bad, and you have to say, oh, you know, you, the production is really good, or you're, you guys are really tight, or something like that, you know, where you... Willfully allied their lack of songwriting chops or anything of merit, um, but this song that Rad sent me was really promising, and you know, sort of cute and sad and funny, and I was like, you know, this this doesn't suck at all. And then he sent me another song, uh, which we're gonna play on the episode, which is called "His and Hers Sinks," and it was just good. There was nothing like. Oh, if you did this or if you did that, it would be good, or you know, the it was it was really good and it was really catchy and it was I don't know, it was like all the things that I like in music, all the shit that speaks to me. It was it was sad, it was funny, it was clever, it was self-deprecating, and it was heartfelt. You know, like it really yeah uh, the the sadness of his uh tiny cobwebbed heart. Really shone through, and um, and then I suggested to him that he record something with a beat because, uh, like most, you know, acoustic singer songwriters, myself included, um, he was sort of sliding in and out all you know, all over the place time wise. And then, so sort of as a lark, he recorded one of his tunes uh, that he had written about his car, a Honda. Um and he recorded it sort of as a like trap house auto tune hip hop song, and it's fucking great, it just slaps it's uh it's so it's i you know again it's just it's all the things it's a check in every box, it's sad, it's funny, it's heartfelt it's it's an incredibly creative way of saying like in this life, I have nothing except for big dreams. Um, so I wanted to sit down with Rad because I feel like I've played his songs for a couple of people, um, like sort of jaded old music heads that I'm friends with, and and even you know some record label folks in New York. And the every single person I've played it for has just had this response of like, "Holy shit, this is really good." And it feels crazy to say, but I feel like this kid is at the beginning of something, that he keeps sending me more songs, and they keep not sucking, and I'm getting really excited that he's going to do something great. So, uh, I don't know. I'm going to try and help him record some stuff. I'm going to try and connect him with a couple other... um, you know with record label folks and i don't know just see if we can get something rolling it it kind of fe- it feels a little self it feels a little uh like self-harmy like uh you know the <laughs> like i'm buying alcohol for a 16 year old or something like they're they're psyched about it and they think it's going to be fun and all that and then the reality is like i'm about to uh, set you on a path that's going to ruin your life because there's nothing that's been more destructive in my life than my pursuit of music but um I don't know rad's really good he's a really really promising songwriter and uh give uh give this conversation a listen listen to some of his tunes and uh let's see if we can't make something happen for him uh Brad Pinkard, do you know why you know I've called you to the office today?
1: <laughs> um, I'm in trouble.
0: The, uh, don't look at the computer. don't look at the levels. Um, the, everything's fine. We're not recording the, This is a, just a totally organic conversation. Okay, between two guys who hardly even know each other. Uh, here comes little Sadie. I um, the, no, I wanted to, I wanted to do this. I wanted to have you on because because um, the songs you're writing are real good. And thank you. The um, and I want to play some of them on the podcast. And then I was, CD, get down. What are you doing? She, she wants to the, get down. Hey, let's see she, speak. There's n- nothing uh makes her want to cuddle more than when uh we're <laughs> like recording or doing a thing yeah. where you can't be um, can't be cuddling.
1: I know you're busy, but it's it's me time, yeah, exactly.
0: I got it. The um. But uh, when we talked about having you on the podcast, I realized I know uh, almost nothing about you. I the We met, or I guess you knew who I was before I knew who you were. Yeah. The How did you get to know my stuff?
1: Sam Keeley showed me your stuff. Um, okay. He just always showed me different musical stuff, and then he exposed me to you, <laughs> and... Um, I liked it. I was, I was a big drinker and also very sad, but I didn't put the two together, which I think <laughs> your music is perfect for. Uh,
0: it, yeah, it takes a while to figure out. That those things go sort of hand in hand. Yeah, they
1: help. They complement each other.
0: The, um, I'm going to adjust the mic so you look a little more comfortable. Hang on.
1: I'm always uncomfortable. <laughs> you can just... Could we zip tie my arms behind the chair? That's how I'll feel the most organic.
0: How's that? Now you're like just sort of relaxing. You don't have to like lunge into it. I'm panicking. <laughs> Good. The um so when how long ago was that? Uh four years ago, five years ago?
1: Yeah, when did we almost die on the two oh two?
0: That was cause I think uh, that was four years ago. Yeah. I remember meeting you. I remember meeting you for the first time at a gay bar.
1: Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that was the first time when I came out of the air and you came up and hugged me. Yeah,
0: <laughs> that's how I meet most of my friends. They walk out of the bathroom in a gay bar and yeah. I just went to go up and hug them. That was a good time. The, um, and then, and then you did. I think it was 2019 when you did yard work for me in like the blazing hot sun in yes. fucking August when you were living out of that white van. Yeah. And then we almost rolled the green unbookables van on the 202 while i
1: was pinched between a washer and dryer yeah and a hard the, place
0: little did you know that would be the that would be the least dangerous most fun thing that we would do together <laughs> yeah just the beginning the um how old are you now you're 24 25 25 yeah, are okay. you he, are you from arizona are you from here
1: yeah i'm from Arizona. i've lived in the east valley my whole life um my mom's from poland and my dad is from scottsdale so we are i'm like half arizona half first gen polish immigrant but not (laughs) really
0: i didn't realize until lately that you actually had a father i because you called me your dad which that makes me deeply uncomfortable i feel
1: like you started that (laughs) yeah
0: It's possible, most of the things that make me uncomfortable are um are things I've created I've, but um the uh yeah, I didn't know that um that you guys had any relationship or that I just assume everybody hates their dad like I hate mine dad, are you listening? i fucking hate your guts you motherfucker the uh food I eater, miss <laughs> his dad the, um but he gave you the Gretsch guitar that you have,
1: yeah, I was a uh birthday present i think when i was 20 or something um yeah because we both have always obsessed over tim armstrong and just gretchen's like stray cats like they look so badass i don't know the with the little f-holes
0: now i feel like your dad and i are going to become friends i can see it that'd be really weird how old's your dad
1: for uh 55 maybe
0: okay the you know around the same age that lanagan was the i was worried he was going to be younger than i uh, am <laughs> that would be would be real gross that'd be embarrassing um, the yeah i love the uh you can t- tell i love the the hollow body f-hole guitars too mm. um so when when did you start playing guitar
1: uh i was probably like 15 and um the bunny, the, the the musician Pat the Bunny. I don't know if you know him at all, but he's in a few yep. different um, folk punk bands that didn't ever really make it big. Uh, but I just became obsessed with him as a teenager and learned all his songs just by power chords. Uh-huh. Like, not even power chords. I would just like hold the, uh, what's it C major or whatever that position and
0: yep, just go That's up. That's a and bar down. chord. Yeah, or, yeah, yeah. It's a bar chord.
1: Yeah, and I didn't know what it was called or anything i would just make it sound somewhat like the notes he was playing and strum as fast as i could and i did that like every day until i was uh now (laughs) and then i eventually learned um chords and stuff and i still don't think i'm a very good guitarist but i like to play guitar
0: it's funny because everybody i talk to um Every musician, nobody says I'm am a really great musician. I'm a really good musician. Everybody says I'm a terrible musician. I do it the wrong way, and then um, and then they describe their learning process or whatever or how they learn how they learn how to play how they've continued to play, and that's that's how it's always happened. Yeah, is that you know the you know guitar and especially like whatever punk rock, rock and roll, blues guitar. It's all just. Just fucking making it up as you go, just Mm. figuring it out, you know, the, just like, oh, fuck it, that sounds good enough, and hitting it hard, and hitting it fast, and then that's an entire genre of music, you know, that's rancid right there. Yeah,
1: (laughs) just learning on the job, that's how I do most things, and sometimes it works out.
0: The, um, and I, I suspect you started skating a lot, a lot earlier than you started playing guitar.
1: Yeah, I started skateboarding when I was nine, and... I was, like, with the kids in my neighborhood starting to ride BMX, and my mom and dad were both, like, 80s skate kids, so they got me an 80s board that was huge and looked ridiculous. Do you remember (laughs) what it was? Yeah, it was a Pal Peralta, Frankie Hill, um, I think it's, like, No Valor or something board, but it had a bulldog on it. That's why I picked Uh it up. I like dogs. I
0: remember Mike had always had elephants. Yeah. And I always thought that was super cool. Yeah. And the... But I mean, I remember, like, dude, I used to have a fucking Vision Shredder shirt, yeah. in like nineteen eighty-seven, yeah, and the um, I was what they call a poser. The, I understand. I'm, I've I always thought skateboarding was so cool, and I've always just been fucking terrible at it. I had a dream the other night that I was like hanging out with a with a. A bunch of kids, by by which I mean people who are older than you are, and the and I was like I had to ollie for some reason. It was and it was like a life or death situation of ollie, like we're you know kick the, your
1: ass. Well, no, it, or it wasn't
0: even like that. It was like the dam's breaking, quick ollie, and you can save it. You know, like stupid, like just sco- straight up Scooby Doo shit. Yeah, I was going to say, drinkies. and the um, and I couldn't do it. The I bet I could, but it, the, not with that know, attitude. I
1: yeah, believe in I you.
0: Know that. Uh, the dude who lived in the back house here was like my age and he decided he was going to start skateboarding again. And I was like, man, that's a real bad idea. The uh, and then he was like, you know, came home one day and he was like, yeah, I got this like huge like bruise on my hip, you know? And I was like, yeah, we're Skateboarding hurts. Yeah. That's... We, we missed the, f- and it, and it hurts when you're 13 mm-hmm. and 30 years later, it doesn't get softer no. or easier. Yeah. Or yeah. You'd
1: think you'd build some calluses, but now it hurts more than ever. Now it's my most like. Disguised form of self harm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to the hurt myself park. Bye, mom.
0: The did you? But you got into it pretty hardcore and pretty early.
1: Yeah, it's just an obsession of mine. And like, like I feel like a poser too a lot of the time because I don't have that many skate friends. Like I'm a weirdo just in general. But um, I love the verb of skateboarding. It makes me feel fucking amazing. It's just raw energy outlet and i can go fast and challenge myself i like it but uh
0: i'm i'm not in that world the but whenever i see that shit that you post on instagram i'm like rad's really good the what's the the medical term sick airs the (laughs) wicked airs um the um really good but the it's it's just I, I was when I was in New York, I was hanging out with uh, my friend Jake, and we were walking through a park and just talking about this. That like they had structures there that they had built expressly for kids to skateboard oh, sick. on, and the uh, and that was antithetical to my experience as a kid, where like. um it, it, <laughs> it's like we were treated like as fucking outlaws or something. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's so stupid. It's like, cause then I figured, you know, then I discovered drugs and I was like, Oh, this is way better than skateboarding. And I don't the, have to practice this at all. You know, <laughs> first well, try. But I, but for the first time I do want to practice. Yeah. The, um, And, I don't know, now it seems like... I feel like there's a bunch of skate parks around Phoenix.
1: Yeah, there's a ton of skate parks. And, like, it's funny because the corporate side of skateboarding, like Thrasher Magazine and all that, doesn't really want to see you skate at a park. They don't, like... Most... There's tranny skaters, transition skaters, and um, street skaters, which I'm sort of just a weird, bad mesh of everything, but with mostly transition skating. Um, But, like, yeah, people want to see you at a not-built-to-skate Handrail or something rather than a skate park, so we still want to keep the outlaw thing alive. Yeah, but we have these insane training facilities every twenty feet that we can practice at, especially like Arizona and California, Uh um, which is sick. uh, Because it's making it less inclusive; like everybody can go skate now. It's cool.
0: The yeah, it's. I I always do this thing when my you know my childhood or my youth, like oh if you know. If it had thing, if things had gone a different way, or if I'd been born at a different time, or whatever, the I'm taking this hat off, dude. I can't. I it's, I just you look so sexy. I keep remembering that I'm wearing this hat, and it's so terrible. You need to and, uh, live I the express a, yeah. I Can't express a <laughs> thought. Um, when when did you figure out that you were good at skateboarding? Um,
1: I feel like I was. Pretty good from the get, just because when you're nine years old, you're not afraid of anything. So, like, oh, when my mom bought me that giant skateboard, she also bought me a, a half pipe that was too small for a BMX bike specifically, so that I would just skateboard on it. Um, which a half pipe is a fucking big structure that we had on the side of our yard in Gilbert, yep. and it was like everybody in the neighborhood would come by and be like, Can we skate your ramp? It was sick. Um, but. I would like just go for shit, and like I cracked these bottom teeth the first time I ever tried to drop in, and then the second time I landed it, and like it didn't bother me that I got hurt, Uh like because when you're young, shit doesn't hurt. And um, then I probably just turned into a glutton along the way, but I kind of just knew like I'm gonna get good at this if I'm not afraid to push myself, and that's what I did for a long time, and then I sort of took a break uh not a break but to the point where i wasn't skating every day like Mm -hmm. which i prefer to do i like to skate every day um but when i started a punk band when i was like 18 probably so i went like a good three years where i was like more focused on being a punk kid than a skater which is not money not time (laughs) well spent yeah (laughs) not very cash money of me
0: (laughs) yeah the I remember my dad and I built a quarter pipe out of like uh, a sheet of plywood, and um, and I never. I was never able to like stick dropping in. Yeah. And I remember like going to sleep one night just like covered in like road rash and waking up like stuck to the sheets. Yeah. And, uh, but I, you know, I just didn't have, you know, I didn't have the confidence to, you you just have to fucking just lean into it. Uh And it's the, it's sort of like when holding still for a tattoo, like your body is telling you, no, this hurts, get the fuck out of there. And the, it's scary to, to drop in. Yeah. And so you have just have to overcome, like, your animal survival programming. Survival instinct, of, yeah.
1: Yeah. I know. It's every fall on the internet that you see of, like, people dropping in and just slamming straight back. That's like every skater knows that feeling because, yeah, the survival instinct. You're like, wait, I want to stay up here where it's safe. But really, you need to, like, push your shoulder into the concrete that you're going down into because that's the only way you're going to keep your momentum going that way. But, yeah, it's a lot of commitment, which I can... Uh,
0: I, uh, I'm public, publicly committing here, uh, to never try dropping in again. That's one of the things I'm just going to fucking let please? go. One, one of the, no, nope, the, one of the things that I fucked up from my childhood that I'm just going to leave it, just leave it alone. I the, know a
1: really good corded pipe. It's really small, I know a
0: really good ER. <laughs> <laughs>
1: so we can get two things crossed off in one day.
0: The, you know, it's one of the things I was like talking to Sam about, you know, the, about, um, oh, you know getting a bike or something like that. I was like, no, the 45, my life has just been all stupid, expensive, destructive hobbies. I'm not, uh, I'm not going to fucking pick up another one now. Yeah. Um, speaking of, uh, stupid, destructive hobbies, uh, when you start drinking.
1: Oh, (laughs) um, start drinking or when was like my first drink?
0: Uh, if those are two different answers, I want both answers.
1: Okay. Well, I think I had been, s- like, stealing my mom's jello shots out of the fridge when I was, like, 12, probably. But maybe older. Maybe, like...
0: I was in middle school, damn. Anyways. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh Your your mom sounds awesome already. By the way, for her to get you to get you a skateboard and a half pipe and have jello shots in the fridge—that's a a check in every box. Yeah, right there. She's great. Awesome (laughs) rock and roll mom.
1: I love my mom, but um, I uh, started a career out of it when I probably high school, like when I my sophomore year, I moved from the Chandler district of schools to the Gilbert district, which is like going from the suburbs to the super suburbs. Um, And I would bring like a little water bottle full of whatever clear liquors I could steal from my friends' parents or my parents and drink that in P.E., which I had second hour, and 8 a.m. is a great time to start drinking when you're (laughs) a 14-year-old. But it put me in a good mood for the rest of the day. And like I would... yeah. I don't know. It just seemed like a fun uh edgy thing to do and also got my mind off how much I hated being at school and around people. Um
0: That's that's one of the things that, you know, comes up again and again when I talk to people who have struggled with alcoholism or addiction is that the um the first time that you find your substance of choice um and you you take it it's not like um oh fuck yeah you know I felt I felt hammered or or you know the I saw all the pretty lights or whatever it's like I felt normal and that was okay and yeah. that was amazing I, or could I be felt out in okay without
1: yeah. my skin crawling yeah yeah exactly and,
0: and that it's it's the it's like you know an ancient uh, curse you know may you find your medicine yeah and the and it works until it doesn't and then
1: <laughs> yeah um Definitely, and then like having to relearn how to actually just have confidence that I should have learned at a young age um, is annoying. Now it's like going up and talking to that pretty girl you're afraid to, but really I'm just like checking out at Circle K, and I'm <laughs> stressed out about it. It's gotten a lot better over the past. Year. I'm
0: still terrified of both of those things, right? So I'm here to I'm here to give you the the uh, inspirational advice that it doesn't get any easier. <laughs> Thank you. The, <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait. The um. Yeah, I uh I'm reminded again and again that I haven't still have no idea how to start a conversation with a woman. To just be like, "Hi, I'm not a creep." And yeah. that's the creepiest thing you can say.
1: Exactly. Yeah. The, <laughs> um
0: I was, you know, Talking to my mom about Arizona and like my struggles here and, and her struggles here and our struggles here, and she's like, "Well, you know, you got to make more friends, you know." And the like for me to go up to a guy and be like, "Do you want to be friends?" Yeah, it's, it's weird. It's like... I'm glad
1: I didn't have to ask you. You were just <laughs> weird and accepted me into this hive. But yeah,
0: I think I just needed cheap labor. I didn't know you were gonna stick around. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you should have known. Don't take a stray don't give me a name. I'm the, staying. <laughs> yeah, it's like yeah,
0: it's like you put food out for the cat once. It's like now now you have a cat.
1: (laughs) Um, Now you're loaning me audio equipment.
0: (laughs) Yeah. The uh, so when did like when did the you know when did the Jello shots and the you know know, stealing the clear alcohol and stuff when did that start uh, fucking kicking up problems? Um, I like I know when I was like whatever thirteen or fourteen. The like cops picked me up and like I got I I, like drank, climbed a tree with a bottle and drank until I fell out of the tree. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like that. Um, but I, I'm sure you have rat, rad's equivalent of those stories, yeah.
1: I mean, it's just like because like, I'm I know I'm an alcoholic or whatever, but also I think just like alcoholism could just be a symptom of my untreated like depression and shit that I just always ignored. I don't know for sure though. Um, that's, the,
0: that's the that's one of the toughest things about getting sober is when you you know it's it's one thing to have that thing of like you know oh fuck you know you know I know I'm a drunk but but that's like kind of funny and kind of cool and mm. then you're like but maybe I'm an alcoholic and that's really gross and it sounds like a disease mm-hmm. and then y- you you quit. And you're like, okay, I overcame the big thing. And you realize that the big thing w- was just a symptom of yeah. whatever else, pain, grief, like, wait, mental illness. Wait, I have illness. more problems still? Yeah.
1: The, okay, yeah. cool. Um, yeah. So, like, I got my first DUI while I was driving home from um, the river that I'd been drinking with with my girlfriend at the time all day. And we got in an argument. And I just got too angry or upset or whatever and sped, and then my second one was driving home from a bar, also in an argument with a different ex, and not saying that, like, that was because of my exes, that was totally my fault, but, um, I had drinking and driving other times before that, too, which I'm not proud of, but I did it, and, um, when I let my emotions get the best of me is when it really fucked me up, so, uh, um, yeah, I learned that maybe my emotions are too strong for me to like alcohol that much because it makes me not care about them as much, or like not want to deal with them, and then I explode and bad things happen. Hey, on the track. I just went off the deep end. You can tell I've been sinking I can see it in your face Be my shoulder to cry on Give me something to do Watch the suitcases pile up And pretty soon Maybe you'll be sinking too Hit my rock bottom for the last fucking time i'll help you with your problems but what about mine i have been hurt before Lord. i know you have to put some ice on you, walk it off and you will be okay i promise you
0: The I was talking to Keith from every time I die about drinking and stuff. And I was like the you know, I said, I I had no idea that you had a problem with alcohol because every time I met you, you you know, you're sort of um, you're not just in control, but you're sort of like the den mother, like making sure that everybody's okay, and everybody's having a good time. And he was like, yeah, no, that I've. That's how I always was. That's how I always am. And then, you know, to like drink and drink and drink and still have to be that much in control, Mm. you know, is fucking exhausting, you know, and his problem wasn't that he was losing control, but that he was never in a place where he could lose control. Yeah, You know, the I still um, I still really have problems with uh, with getting angry and where the smallest thing will like really fucking piss me off and the um i flip out less now because of my cat because you can't punch mm. a cat <laughs> you know the um sh- if she knocks a fucking glass over or breaks a thing or whatever um or shits on the floor or, or her f- <laughs> she like never coughs up hairballs and stuff, but if she does, this is the, like, the Dosecchi's guy thing. I don't always cough up hairballs, but when I do, it's after I've climbed up three levels of amps and then <laughs> cough one that fucking hits, like, $6,000 worth of fucking yeah. vintage gear on the way down. <laughs> the, She's got good aim. But, um... Yeah, it's weird. Being a pet owner ta- has taught me more about powerlessness than yeah. alcoholism and addiction ever Definitely. did. Because you just have to deal with what they do, and you can't. Yeah, you know, there's there's nothing. Um, you just have to not, you know, flip out. Yeah. So how how old were you when you got your first DUI?
1: Nineteen, um, in 2018,
0: I think. Yeah. Numbers. The, um, and you got locked up.
1: Yeah, so I went to the drunk Was that tank. your first
0: time getting locked up?
1: Yeah. So I stayed there. I was went to the drunk tank and I was wearing a speedo. <laughs> which is uh I guess that's our poll
0: clip for the episode. Yeah. <laughs> I went to the drunk tank and I was wearing a speedo.
1: I was wearing a speedo in the drunk tank. I was wearing board shirts over the speedo, but speedos if you've ever worn one for 16 hours they
0: I just ride. ordered one the other day actually. I can't wait.
1: It's a hot girl <laughs> summer. Um yeah, it, it. I got a rash because then they left. <laughs> it was the uh, reservation police, and they were cool because they let me choose to either have my car towed and pay for the tow, or to walk through the middle of the desert like four miles to get back to my car the next morning once they deemed me sober.
0: Um, so, so which which one did you do?
1: I chose leave my car in the middle of the desert and.
0: Uh, so, so what's what's wild. Is that that's a tactic that white police in Canada have used against uh, First Nations people? Oh, really. And shitloads of them died. The where on
1: the uh, walk back, or
0: yeah, a thing that they used to do is if if you got picked up, you know, or First Nations person got picked up when they were drunk, uh, Canadian police would drive them out to town limits and to let them walk back in and that's like, you know, exile. Uh, it's the outdoor drunk tank. But yeah. when it's 40 below 0, that's people just fucking die. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I mean, the... it was summertime so if it had been daytime that I might have been at risk for that, but it was yeah. night time when I when they let me out. It was like It's a
0: convenient just, time to get a DUI. Yeah. <laughs> I in Arizona, anyway.
1: <laughs> I try to have the most um comfortable DUIs possible. <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah, I walked back in a speed and eventually got back to my car and had to drive home the next morning and be like, sorry, I've been gone. <laughs>
0: Rash pinkered. <laughs> <Fuck>. <laughs> Damn it. It was right there. It was, it was right there. I, I, I have more self-control now than I used to, but not that much. No,
1: Yeah, that's something else I've learned, too. I'm like, huh, I'm still making bad decisions.
0: <laughs> the Just in regards to jokes or in? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Other than our senses of humor, we are both uh, perfect people. I agree. The, um, so the thing that I want to, that I really wanted to sort of like get into you, uh, get into with you here, is not a speedo, um, or your, um, or your DUIs. The, but music, um when did you start writing songs um i
1: started writing songs i when i got obsessed with that folk punk guy pat the bunny um i kind of started like i would record like me covering a lot of songs and then i would start writing my own little things i have like a EP that I put out when I was, like, 16. It's awful, and I hope you never hear it. It's oh called The Four Chord Manifesto, because I only knew four chords and was obsessed with Karl Marx and shit at the time. <laughs> um, but... I, I
0: def- I'm Googling that already in my mind.
1: I hope it's nowhere. I found a CD a couple years ago, and I destroyed it.
0: <laughs> I, dude, I have shit like that where the... I'll just say this: that I'm so grateful that YouTube didn't exist when I was a kid because yeah. I just would have been fucking eating Tide Pods left and right and like fucking saying the N word because like because kids don't know what they're fucking doing, mm. you know. The I I wouldn't have made it to like 12 without getting canceled. Yeah, you know the um, same.
1: Uh, yeah, but uh,
0: but I also did put out or I did record. Oh God, some of the songs that I wrote. Uh, I think about songs that I wrote when I was like 13 and 14. I was writing like these power ballads, just so. Oh, I like I, I can't make eye contact with you right now because I remember them. (laughs) I'll show you mine if you show me. yours. No, fuck, fuck no, dude. (laughs) Never again. I
1: mean, that's what I'm expecting a year from now when I hear the songs that I'm writing now, though, because like, I don't know. Every time I look back at myself a year back, I'm like, fuck that guy. This new rad is a little bit cooler. Like, (laughs) eventually I'll meet my final form and be perfect.
0: There's this great book called by P.F. Kluge. Who I think wrote Eddie and the Cruisers. He wrote a book called Biggest Elvis, and it's about these three um, Elvis impersonators uh, in the Philippines. And it's two brothers, and then this teacher who I guess is the me character uh. um, who sees the potential for these two brothers to be Elvis imitators. And the so the good brother is youngest Elvis, uh. and the second brother is. Um, I don't know, bad Elvis, sexy Elvis, um, motorcycle Elvis—I can't remember the—but um, you know, it's like leather Elvis, yeah, basically. The and then bad boy. the teacher is biggest Elvis, Elvis at the end of his life. Okay. You know the and um, the youngest uh, brother can only do the sort of sun sessions. Um, you know, fifties Elvis. Okay, and then the second elvis does the the later i guess whatever 68 comeback stuff the and then biggest elvis can do anything because he contains all the elvises that came before mm. and that's a point of contention where they argue about like who gets to perform what material from Elvis' catalog okay the but um that's one of the things the... that I've found with my music is that, you know, to go back, oh, God, to, uh, like, when I was at my friend's house and I found a copy of Thanks for Letting Me Crash, mm. and I uh, I was like, well, I got to burn this so I can get it up on Bandcamp so maybe I can get another six bucks out of somebody. And then also, that means I have to, like, listen to each track, and I, like, listen to, like, ten seconds of each. And I was like, oh, God. Hey. The... But also... I mean, there's a weird sort of like sine wave of your experience of your own output mm. that at a certain point, you know, the two years after I put that out, I was like, oh, this is dog shit. I yeah. hate it." And then a couple of years later, I was like, oh, I like it. And then, you know, a couple of years after that, I was like, oh, I hate it. Okay. You know, the, um,
1: yeah, because when I usually when I first start making something, I'm like, this is pretty sick. And then after time, <laughs> I'm like, well, we thought. We'll try again harder next time.
0: And, you know, and the best case scenario for a pop musician is that you write, like, Hotel California, and then you have to perform that for the rest of your life.
1: It's just a bad Yelp review and a long guitar solo. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, uh-uh.
0: the songs that you've been playing for me and the songs that I've gotten uh, all, all excited about, like, when did you start writing those? Um. His and her Sinks,
1: I wrote the piano and guitar to because I was doing that hammer on the and then had that playing on a loop while I played with my piano and started doing the piano over it. And I was like, that sounds really nice. And then I had that like on my voice memos on my phone or something for a couple years. Well, now a year and a half while I was um, ending a brutal relationship and uh,
0: and starting another one.
1: Yeah, jumping right into the next (laughs) It'll be different. But um, then I kind of, like, over time, I wrote the first part, first verse in it, and then had that for, like, a year. And then I was like, oh, yeah, I have half a song. I should finish that. And then um, it was around the time of your birthday when I I was, like, over here. This year? Yeah. Okay. Because also the time that I was, like, getting canceled <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but I was it, it just bummed out and the words came they they just happened I didn't really have to put thought into it which is my favorite types of songs but not the most time efficient because yeah. it took me two years to write
0: to wait for it to yeah, yeah for the
1: experiences to hit and like me to have the stuff to put into the song like the ingredients I guess like with it meaning something to me and that song does mean something to me uh but like what was the question when did I start
0: yeah the well the the, the batch of songs that you've been playing for me and the stuff that we've been talking about like the when did when did those start coming together? yeah
1: everything else like motor oil and all the new stuff kind of like or Honda deville I started um singing that to myself while I was at work like getting out of my car and then kept like saying you know, my honda looks like a cadillac like trying to jokingly rap to myself um and then when i got home i played a guitar chord that kind of sounded like it went well with it and recorded the first thing i sent to you and i was like ah this could be a song so that like sometimes it's super easy and it just happens like right away and
0: let's let's go deeper into that song let's pick that song apart the what you know sort sort of like uh slow it down and and what made you say my Honda looks like a Cadillac <laughs> do you remember where that
1: yes so i got my Honda Civic 2002 LX 76,000 <laughs> miles i know it's fucking badass <laughs> it's champagne gold it's, uh, yes. <laughs> and um we, i got it f- like right when i got out of jail um and had been... Well, no, not right when I got out of jail, because I took the bus home from jail and was taking the bus a lot at the time. Actually, I got a ride from jail, but I was taking the bus a lot, and the bus is fucking depressing in Arizona when it's a 1,000 degrees out, and you're on a metal bench. Yeah. Um. And, like, a month ago, you were shacked up in a nice apartment with or a nice house, you know, with somebody, and, like, just went from a very high to a very low. Um. But then I my grandparents Polish friend drank himself to death. Uh, Andre. So my car is named Andre 3000, like nice. outcast slash dead Polish man. Thank you, Andre. Um, and I was like, that's cool. I'm going to try to not do that. <laughs> I'm going <laughs> to try to, uh, let, let that be your, your, yeah, the opposite of I'll a guardian take angel. Andre's torch and just put Poor it in the tummy. pool. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, but when I got it, my grandpa actually said, like, it, "like take care of this car, but, like, don't don't worry about, like, the interior too bad. Like, you can smoke in it. It's not a Cadillac or something. And I, I actually have never smoked in that car. That was, like, something I pride myself on because I destroyed every other car I've had, the insides. Um. <laughs> but, yeah, so that's why I got the Cadillac. Also, I just love... Cadillacs. I think ca- Cadillac Deville is the yeah. coolest looking car. Like lowered ones, they're fucking sick looking. And uh, I'd like my next car to be one if I fucking get rich immediately, like I'm planning on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah,
0: I was in uh, I was in Memphis once, and I got a, a tour of the Stax Museum. And was it Stax? I don't know. Somebody from Memphis will yell at me about this the and i think it was i think isaac hayes cadillac oh, is yeah. in there and it's on like a spinning display sure. and it's just like the it's just a beautiful old like time capsule yeah you know the um i think chuck berry bought had a new cadillac that he bought every year
1: yeah that's it right. just had like a
0: garage you know a 40 car garage you oh, know, Yeah. the um, I hope to never own a Cadillac. I think the only Cadillac I've ever driven was my sister and her husband at the time had a. It was like the Cadillac version of a Rav Four, mm. <laughs> and I was like,
1: "Man, like
0: the no, it was it, like it was smaller. It was there was nothing cool about it. Okay, the it was just it, it was it was like the um, it had the logo. It was the it was the Cadillacs version of Cadillacs version of a Honda. Okay, Sick. <laughs> you know, the, um,
1: we can. We can work with that. So, but uh, yeah, I know if I ever own a Cadillac, I'm probably gonna regret it within months. I'm yeah. just excited for that month of feeling <laughs> fucking badass and not broke. Uh, yeah. When I'm in my car, at least
0: you know. <laughs> the, I, you know, I have these like super cool cars, and then you know the the blue truck that I have out there. Like I just never drive it because it's a fucking nightmare to drive. Mm. It's the it's got um, AC. Okay, <laughs> it barely has truck,
1: it has truck. That's good, <laughs> <laughs> that's about it. On a
0: good day, it has truck. Nice, the um, it's a 69, so it's really nice when an old guy's like, Young man, what year is that? I'm like, 69 <laughs> uh, that never gets nice. old. Nice, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I love that. Shit. The um, but uh, but I always just end up driving like you know, the fucking not even the truck I end up driving my I end up driving my Honda Honda yeah. <laughs> yeah um has so you started writing a batch of the, so you got sober whatever 14 months ago
1: Ish. yeah may 30th 21.
0: dude it's my date is, I think, May 26th. Oh, crazy. Which is so funny. May yeah. 26th, whatever, 13 years ago. It's like is. I started
1: a bender for my birthday. Was, my birthday is in the middle of May, on uh-huh. May 16th. And um started a bender pretty much when May started. I was like, this is going to be my birth month. I'm going to oh, be it's the most wasted white the girl whole time. shit was, ever. Yeah.
0: Well, <laughs> <laughs> it's my birth month, and I'm going to inconvenience everyone everybody, with it. And go, yeah,
1: I'm going to make it everybody else's problem. <laughs> <yes>. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um
1: Which led to me like, going to Vegas and that's a good place to have a bender. It's it's a productive, it gets the the important parts of a bender done really quick. And then I came back and my work's right by the airport and uh, wasn't in the best mental state at work and was like, I'm going to lose my fucking job if I keep showing up like this. And I actually have a job that I love now working with dogs. So um, also just like, I'm going to, kill myself so i was like i'm gonna see if not drinking all the time will help this and it has um
0: the so how much time did you ended up did you end up having to do after um after the second dui uh
1: 12 days uh
0: were you in uh tent city
1: no they got rid of tent city
0: which is cool Uh, a a friend of mine was there a Twice yeah. for DUIs. Oh, really? And she said that the that it was, like, right next to an incinerator where um, they would incinerate, like, all the roadkill and dead animals and stuff like that. Yeah. And uh, they fired up the incinerator um, per fucking Joe Arpaio's orders. They fired up the incinerator at chow time. So you, you, you could sm-
1: smell the death. The, the
0: death, the, like, melting hair. You know, How like, accessible
1: is this incinerator? That sounds like a get-out-of-jail-free card. <laughs>
0: Get-into-incinerator-free card. The, no, I mean, I think it was, like, um, removed from the, the Tent City yeah, facility. The, but brutal. But close enough that you would still smell the, yeah. the shit. And, the, you know, they just did everything they could to make it as fucking torturous for uh, those people as possible. Yeah. But you were in, like, the proper—the slammer, the clink. Yeah, I
1: was in— um... I don't remember even what it's called. I kind of tried to suppress a lot of that, I think. (laughs) Um, But it was at Lower Buckeye Jail. Or no, it was Maricopa County Sheriff's Department. That's where it was. Um, And yeah, they make it as miserable as possible for you by like the worst thing for people who are from Arizona is to be cold all the time. So it's freezing Uh. and you get one thin blanket that you have to use as a pillow i i had to use as a pillow because i didn't have a pillow and my fucking neck was dying because i'm i have the body of a 90 year old because of skateboarding um
0: and you were wearing a speedo again
1: <laughs> no no i dressed appropriately this time i was well they made me wear orange uh you know jumpsuit i looked yep. good it was i'm a fall colors look good on me
0: <laughs> fall from grace colors yeah okay. uh, <laughs> um tell the story again about the the peanut butter sandwiches. Oh yeah. Or the chow well, and the...
1: They all we all get peanut butter sandwiches for every meal um, and they're whole grain bread which looks like dead sandpaper and peanut butter that's like not peanut butter. I don't know what it is, but it's got all all the nutrients in uh, it. Peanut eating. butter. Peanut. Eh, I like it. Pea butter. nutty. But, <laughs> so terrible. Ugh. Yeah, it's not it wasn't the worst tasting thing ever, but it's Definitely not enough food for you to be full, just enough to like give you the nutrients you need to stay awake <laughs> yeah. and stay alive. Um, But it made everybody's shits good and plenty. Like everybody smelled, <laughs> all the turds smelled exactly the same. And there's a giant bathroom that's fucking like a hundred dudes are sharing right next to my pod where I'm sleeping. Uh-huh. But the dude who's underneath me just had the most like baritone asshole ever and fucking. <laughs> I woke up multiple times a night, which falling asleep is a, not an easy task for me when I'm not in jail. So when I was asleep in jail, waking up to like orca sounds, it or fucking <laughs> brrr, really just it's it was impossibly loud. And I that's like the only time I almost got in a fight there is because I just woke up and shouted at this dude. I'm like, "Fucking clench, like do something, because <laughs> you're ruining my life like worse than it can already get right I don't want to smell your insides or like." If I s- am asleep, I can smell them, but I don't want to be aware of anything. Like, fuck.
0: <laughs> I want uh, it to be part of my dream. Yeah. The, and then uh,
1: out of jail, I still would, like, when I got out, like, three days, my shits would still smell like that peanut butter, and it was just like, I hate, I hate it.
0: It's funny. You know, baritone asshole is the phrase I used to to describe my musical genre. I <laughs> <laughs> <Not> like it. <laughs> <laughs> That's, uh,
1: make a shirt. I'm going to make your shirt.
0: The, um... That that will be when we start the the hip hop duo. That will be my uh, baritone asshole.
1: That was I'll, I'll mine. Be like the
0: the frog man. Rash. I think, yeah, rash <laughs> rash pinkard. The uh, uh. I think the um I think you need to do a a podcast that's just um a uh like romantic uh, advice podcast that's just called uh elationship rad vice <laughs> i'm getting the i'm getting all these puns out just on the tail of talking about prison feces because yeah. that's the quality of humor these this is that's yeah
1: that's my aesthetic prison feces your aesthetic yes god damn it. rad come on
0: <laughs> um so were you uh, were you still drinking when you were writing these songs or Were you was, was it sort of, you started them drinking and then finished them sober or the, um, or you were sober her. reflecting on when, back in the day when you were still a, a dummy?
1: Yeah. Um, his and her sinks. I started while I was still drinking. Um, so originally in the second verse when I say I just hit my rock bottom for the last fucking time, I was going to say I hit my rock bottom for the third time this week. Um, cause I, you know. When it rains or whatever i was I was um but I like the second one better, so but everything else pretty much has been in my sobriety, looking back, which is it's a lot easier to process and turn feelings into words now uh if I can recollect those feelings that I had.
0: Yeah. I always get shit from people that I'm not writing songs about running or whatever. I'm like, what am I, I going to write about fucking running?" There? Yeah, it, I don't... you know. Um yeah, it helps. That's a real short song. Um but I I do think there is there's a thing where like it's um uh alcohol's a great preservative in oh. some ways in that it um, prevents you from having to deal with or think about or process the things you, you, that happen to you while you're drinking, or yeah. the things that happen to you in your real life that then you um, that that then you drink about instead of having to sort of navigate, sort through, um, and then obviously when uh, when you take when you take the bottle away from the baby, um, then we get grumpy. Yes, you have to <laughs> you have to feel all those feelings and the. Um I mean you know the best way that I know to sort through shit aside from crying and running is writing songs about it yeah, you know the definitely. um I don't know I mean the the reason I just wanted to have you on is because the the songs are so fucking good man and it's um it's it's really weird for me to um you know I I lived in New York for a long time and I, you know, I booked a club there for a while and like I knew people who had record labels and the um, I just saw my friend uh, Eric Speck when I was in New York and he mm. used to you know, run a small label. And, you know, all the we were talking earlier today about the sort of nostalgia for the uh, the aughts um, being in New York at that time, you know, like Strokes got their big break opening up for my old band. Um, we used to go and see yeah, yeah, yes for five bucks on a Tuesday night. Sure. Um, the, you know, the Walkman, the liars, um, you know, just so many, uh, I, I booked a, a show on a Tuesday night and it was, um, God, I'm totally, uh, Sophia Stevens opening for Franz Ferdinand and there oh, was yeah. nobody there. Yeah, you know, so like all these acts that then went on to be fucking huge. Yeah. Um. The I, I forgot about this. I was talking to a friend when I was in New York. I went to see his band, the Giraffes, play at Knitting Factory, and they were playing with Toilet Boys, and they were sort of like you know one of the um, Toilet Boys were one of the sort of legendary New York rock bands, uh-huh. and there was this woman who went on before them, and she she just sang to backing tracks, and she had her. Tra- backing tracks uh, pressed onto a, a vinyl. Okay. So she came out with a record player and like queued it up and then sang and sort of danced to it. Yeah. But the stage of the Knitting Factory was real soft so as she was dancing the record would skip.
1: Oh. <laughs> and she was getting
0: like really frustrated and the... And we all kind of laughed at her because it was sort of like this pretentious thing of coming out with a fucking record of yeah. your own. Like... That was Lady Gaga. No way. That's hilarious. So the you know, I I was in New York when all that sort of shit was happening. The, um, and, and also being a talent buyer at a club and having just getting like fucking crates of CDs every day, um, of bands who wanted to play there Mm -hmm. and they're looking for their big break or whatever. And, um, and most of them were dog shit. And the, Um, but the stuff you're writing, it's not dog shit at all, man. I I think it's really good. And I think it's so good that, um, that I I haven't trusted myself about it where I will, when I was in New York, I went and played it for a bunch of friends who are sort of like jaded old music fucks like me. Uh. And, uh, my friend Aaron from the giraffes, uh, hates everything. Um, and especially hates everything on the first listen and especially hates everything I play for him on a first listen. And I played him a couple of your songs and he was just like, oh yeah, no, this is fucking great. You know, the, um, and it's like, he got it right away and he, you know, I mean, he comes from, you know, his, his band, you know, he plays in a metal band and then he comes from a background of like, uh fine art um and he's always leaned towards sort of artsier new york bands but then you know i played your i played your tunes for for heels and for a bunch of other people um and everybody has just like i don't know had a weird or or, like really weird really strong really positive response
1: oh yeah i've gotten yeah i i keep hearing that and i don't believe it i feel like you're all just playing a prank on me um, but thank you. <laughs> no, nah, it's, I don't know. I'm not like from fine arts or like properly trained or anything, which I think is probably why my music can connect with people more. Cause I mean, it's more lyric heavy than like musicianship, I'd say. Uh, but thank you. I, I'm glad that you like it enough to show other people. And actually, well, I haven't like, done anything yet.
0: And uh, as most of my friends in New York, no, I'm famous for, like, finding bands that are talented and telling them that they're too esoteric or whatever. So they're not going to make it. You know, I had an opportunity to manage the National. Uh-huh. And I was like, oh, this band's too smart to ever get big. Yeah. And then they got fucking huge. Um, we don't have that issue. <laughs> <laughs> and then, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was like... I Like the songwriter stuff that you're doing, but uh, you know no I don't think anybody's ready for the punk band, yeah, I'm totally wrong um, but um i don't know, I have picked a couple of winners, also there was like you know there was this band, the Vitamin, and anybody who was in New York at a certain time um knew that band. Mm. And they were just incredible songwriters and incredible musicians and just wrote these like incredibly catchy, incredibly smart, um, very like fun, human, engaging songs. And we were all sort of waiting for them to do something amazing. Yeah. And then they sort of like kept getting bigger and then got to the sort of same thing and then... Um, and then it sort of just sort of like surfed and petered out, yeah, um I'm often perplexed by my by my track because there were all these bands playing in New York in the early two thousands when I couldn't get a fucking gig, and couldn't mm. get a single person to come out um,
1: that so just about knowing people like well no were... the
0: there were there were bands that were like on Matador and stuff, and they was this sort of toast of to the town for three months or six months or 18 months. And then um, a lot of those people are sort of making coffee. Yeah. Um, And my, and you know, I I owe a lot of this to being, um, you know, to like Stan hope finding Uh my music and sort of shouting it out and stuff. The, um, but I do have this super committed, like, my people don't go out. They don't leave the house. They don't go to the fucking store. Mm. The, but they'll listen online, you know? And uh, um, so I don't know. The You know, I still make, whatever, 100 bucks a month from song royalties and sales nice. and stuff like that. And you can, too.
1: <laughs> that's That's the dream. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I feel like writer's block kind of happens sometimes but then like I have such an adhd fast like want immediate gratification all the time so if i think of like a song lyric one line like i'll want to make that into a song immediately um but I mean I'm fine if I make like a couple good songs people like use for a Pepsi commercial. I get rich and famous off one song and then nobody ever likes anything I ever make again. I'm fine with that.
0: <laughs> I'm glad that your 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 brain goes immediately to uh cash out uh <laughs> fuck all y'all and fuck me. I was punk Th- rock
1: long enough. I'm ready to sell out. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Please. Dude, yeah, I remember all the, con- the protract, the four hour long conversations I had with people when I was nineteen about never selling out, and it's just like, no, we would just never sell. Mm. We never got, we never got to the out part. I like you know, it. <laughs> the the reason you're so attached to never selling out is because nobody wants your shit. Yeah, the um,
1: it's a convenient uh, principle to have.
0: Well, I don't, I don't think um, the goal is to sell your stuff to Pepsi yet. No, though, Pepsi, if you're listening. we love pepsi boy do we love pepsi
1: oh i'm Um, drinking one right now
0: but uh i don't know man mostly i just want to sort of encourage you to keep doing what you're doing because i think um i think it's really good i think um yeah yeah like i I don't want to give you teaching what i do is give try to give people like meaningful criticism or um you know, don't do this, do that. Don't do this, do that. That kind of thing. And I don't really want to do that with your stuff. I sort of just want you to like. Just keep writing. Just keep writing. Just keep writing. Okay. You know, the because it's yeah, it's really good. I
1: will, but not because you told me
0: to. Okay. Good. <laughs> the um, all right, let's do plugs. What do you have to plug?
1: Um, <coughs> that's it. Um, I I don't really have any. I my you,
0: you have your SoundCloud. Oh,
1: yeah. Uh, (laughs) I'm on SoundCloud on rad pink card that I might change to rash pink card. (laughs) We'll see. Um, I guess my animal shelter Instagram page based Ventura. If you if you need to adopt a dog in the Phoenix metro area. Yes. Do it from us. Um, A.A.W.L.
0: And what's your uh, what's your Instagram profile?
1: uh, Rude Boy Rad.
0: All right, so, so Rude like, Boy Rad on Instagram. Yeah,
1: which that might need to change because people are going to expect more ska music from me unless. uh
0: Yeah, I agree. Less <laughs> <laughs> the, we'll, we'll go with uh, yeah, Rash.
1: Rash pinkered. Boy okay. Rad. <laughs> rude Boy Rash. <laughs> oh,
0: that sounds like Trench Foot. You That's know, when yeah. you get a rash. I, saw, I a... saw Rude Boy Rash opening up for Trench Foot. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's when you get a rash in a checker print pattern. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you drop your cortisone and you have to pick it up, pick it up, pick it up. <laughs> I'm sorry.
0: Terrible. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Rad, thanks for uh, thanks for doing the podcast. Thank buddy. you. Yeah. This is fun. look like a Cadillac, to
1: look like a Cadillac. My Honda look like a Cadillac, my Honda look like a Cadillac I'm not on the bus and I'm not mad at that And I don't gotta walk and I'm proud of that I don't gotta walk and I'm proud of that Cause one year ago I was stuck in a cell And the year before that I was drunker than hell And next year I'll be in the brand new Chevelle Driving my little nephew to his show and tell AC on cause we called it in hell No AC on cause we we're it in hell and Then I meet up with my dogs at T1, they rolling up splits cause we're too broke for blunts, but it's nothing but love up under the sunset Plus we can't forget how hard we worked just to be content Just to be content And baby I love you but I don't got time I gotta keep both of my eyes on the prize I'm looking for something I might never find I could show you the world but you're living in mine like
0: my look like, a my like a <laughs> Folks, thank you so much for listening. I know there's uh some million podcasts out there. We appreciate you uh you spending your time with us. The um if you're digging the show, if you're enjoying it, if you if these conversations uh move you, make you laugh. Annoy you, piss you off. Um, please take a minute to uh, to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast. Uh, it helps us grow the show, and it helps other people find it. Um, if you'd like to hear bonus episodes, song demos, just sort of uh, ranting off the cuff uh, conversations, all sorts of different uh, bonus material, writing advice. Uh, personal blog posts and stuff like that. Uh, go to patreon.com slash Mishka Shabali. Uh, we will be having monthly episodes up there with my mom and I answering uh, questions from readers, and there's all kinds of good stuff there. Uh, thank you so much for supporting.